Well, thank you all for being here. And this morning, again, it is Commitment Sunday. As I said, we've been working on this Rooted Initiative now for several months, actually several months, three months. And uh, this morning, again, is our Commitment Sunday, and that's what these cards here are for and later at the time. So here's the thing. If you came this morning ready to uh, fill your commitment card out, but you don't have a commitment card yet, at the end of service, we will have a time where someone's going to be grabbing those and passing those out. And so, um, so you can just be ready for that. Um, it is one of those things, man, that we really are excited about all that God is doing. And, and I think that the, the nature of uh, this work is, man, that we want to be a generous people. That's really what it boils down to. Is it relates to, and I want you to kind of hear this part of again. We're going to watch a video here in a second to kind of just celebrating uh, just who we are and what's going on with Vintage. But we want to be a generous people. Like each of you have time. Each of you have money. Each of you have resources, right? You have energy. And so when we talk about generosity, I I, I don't want you just to hear, oh, they're trying to get money from us. Because it's really not what it's about at all. But money is a part of what God wants from you. That's the idea, that, that everything that we have has been given to us. And so we have time. We have energy, we have money, and we have resources. And each of those things are things that have been given to us. And God's calling us to, to, to be generous people. And so when we talk about this rooted initiative, there's a real clear vision of what God is calling you to. It's not just a vintage. I think I want you to hear this like you. Like when we talk about God being generous, like he's talking about you. He's not talking about your parents only. He's talking about you. So the question is, like when you're thinking about this generosity initiative, how are you planning on being generous? What does that look like to you with your time, your money, your energy, and your resources? Adults, what are, how are we thinking along those lines? So last night, and how are we looking at it in the context of not being something that's like, oh, i got to give, but man, the excitement. Last night, we had our advanced commitment night. Every single person who was invited to one of our summits, who's, every single person who's part of Vintage was invited to the advanced commitment advanced commitment Sunday, or excuse me, Friday uh, night last night, or Friday night, excuse me. And it was awesome. The advancement night, people came, about, a, I don't know, 70 to 80 people, and we came in, and we had this beautiful moment. And later, we're going to watch a video just celebrating that. But the idea is, man, there's this celebration of all that God is doing. And so I want you to watch this video. Maybe you haven't heard what we're doing, and you haven't heard the vision, and so tonight you get to hear that. If you've already heard it, then receive it again as if the first time you've heard it. And allow God just even now begin to say, all right. It's not just for somebody else at Vintage who's going to begin to own this. But man, with Jesus, we want to own this as the people of God together as Vintage. So with that, let's watch this video and just celebrate this vision that God's given us with this land. Today, Randall and I are incredibly excited to share with you about the great looking shirt, right? Vintage 242. However, before we look forward... We want to take a moment to reflect on where we came from as we celebrate the birth of Vintage 242 Church. In the summer of 2009, with 70 brave souls, we moved into a 1,442-square-foot space in Cedar Crest area with the vision of transforming our community through the love of Jesus. Our family quickly grew, and we were presented with a great problem. We needed a bigger house, and God provided the space where we meet today. It was and has been. An amazing gift. However, we find ourselves today presented with a familiar problem. We have outgrown the space we are in, and we are in need of a new home for our vintage family. As we prayed about this problem, God opened the door for the 48 acres 
that we now own. Therefore, as we look forward to the future, we recognize that God is calling us to take our next step and to plant our roots deep in the community for many years to come. Again, with the vision of transforming our community to the love of Jesus. As we look towards the future, we're excited to talk about the Rooted Initiative. The Rooted Initiative is a two-year vision to invest into the mission of God for our community. We have a goal of 100% participation for all who are part of the Vintage family, and our aim is to raise $1 million. Jeremiah 29 tells us, Seek the prosperity of the city to which I've carried you. Pray to the Lord for it, for if it prospers, then you too shall prosper. We truly believe God is calling us to plant our roots deep into the community in which we live, and we see that happening in three different ways. Rooted for family. We have outgrown our space, and we need a new permanent home. We're excited about creating a space that enables our children, our youth, and our adults to do life, to worship, and to meet together. We want to be rooted for neighbors. God has placed us into a community with neighbors, and we want to build with their needs and interests in mind. The options are limitless, and we continue to pray about God's leading in developing a unique space that our neighbors love and embrace as part of their daily life. Rooted for mission, we have 48 acres of land that God has provided. We're prayerfully considering options we will graft into the master plan of our new space that will help fulfill the mission that God has given us in our community. Using foster care as our starting point, we're asking God how we can meet the felt needs of at-risk children and families in our communities. So at this point, how can you get involved? First, we're asking you pray. Please join us in asking God for his vision, his wisdom, and his provision as we take our next steps forward as a family. Second, we're asking that you give. We're asking every person or family commit to a generous two-year pledge above and beyond your tithe towards the vision of what God is doing here at Vintage 242. Third, we ask that you engage, that every single person engage with their time, their energy, and their finances. And lastly, celebrate. We are already anticipating God's move in this campaign as we all partner with Him and celebrate His love and movement in our midst. So right now, I'm standing on our property with 48 acres that God's gifted us. Today, I want to tell you a little bit about what we're doing on it, and then we're going to do a unique perspective flyover with a drone. Right here, we see where the Sam Volleyball Court's going to be, obviously for our youth, anybody else who wants to come out here. Second tier down is going to be our community garden. As we do the flyover, I want you to recognize on the front side, you see the width of it, it's about the size of a football field. Now, going back, the distance of our flyover, I really have no idea how long it is. It's just a long way. And so I'm excited to share with you today. Let's go on this journey together. back on the property. And that's what I want to say to you. I hope you enjoyed the flyover. And second, I want to invite you to be part of this initiative with us. We're excited about all that God is doing, and we're excited about doing it with our vintage family. So once you come be a part of this with us, we love you guys and look forward to doing this with you.
Yeah, so I still have no idea how big a piece of property is for riding the flyover. He's honestly I'm like, I don't know, right? It's big, okay? Yeah, so we are honestly really, really excited. I have a couple of lights if I can't see, please. Uh, it's one of those deals I love. I can't see anybody. I was like, oh, I can't see. Um, I love the idea of, um, of this idea of doing, of doing this family, doing church together. And I love this idea, Lord, of, of, of the Lord bringing all of us together, united for a purpose, going after a goal, right? And I love this picture, man, of God giving us this and saying, hey, this is what I have for you all. This is what I have for you, right? For our children, for our youth, and, and for our adults. And so tonight what we're going to dive into, this morning what we're going to dive into is this idea of generosity. This idea of the genius of generosity. And we're going to look at it specifically in the context of sacrifice. We're going to look at a familiar story of, of what we've always known growing up as the widow's might, right? The widow's might. We don't use the word might very much anymore, so we're going to call it the widow's gift, Okay. And the idea for us, again, as we dive into this, of looking at it, saying, all right, God, as I talk about this generosity in the context of sacrifice, Jesus, I recognize that everything that I have ultimately belongs to you. So with that, let's look at Luke 21, starting at verse 1. Let's go through verse 4. Jesus is there with his disciples. He's sitting there outside. There's a treasury, basically this place that they would that the Jews would bring their tithes or their offerings, right? It's kind of like a little I don't know if it was a basket, what it was exactly, but they would come in and they would they would put money in. And so in verse one, Jesus is kind of sitting outside of this with his disciples, and says as Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. And Jesus responded to look at his disciples and say, guys, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. So this is one of those stories that honestly is not very hard to understand, just on its like you look at it face to value. Jesus says, here's the wealthy over here, and out of their wealth, they're giving in a way it doesn't really cost them anything, right? They, can, they still have a livelihood. They still can buy food. They can still pay their rent. They can still do all the things that they do every day, because they're, but they're just giving out of that wealth. But then there comes this woman who literally gives everything that she has, like any, everything that she has to openly buy food, to pay rent, to do anything that she would need finances for. She's taken everything that she has and she's given it away. And so Jesus comes in the moment, right, and, and expresses his, his wonder and his joy at this because what we see is that, that everyone else is being generous. Like there, he's not saying there's anything wrong with the gifts that these these others have given. He's not saying anything bad about them. He's just talking about the spectacular gift of this woman. He would celebrate, hey, thank you for being generous. I know you're being generous. But there's something spectacular about the gift that she's given because of the nature of the sacrifice that it represents. And in her story, honestly, Jesus is going to be speaking about the, the genius of her generosity. That there is a genius in those who live their life generous, and we would say here, like the widow who's giving this gift. Now, have you ever been around someone who 
is just way more generous than you, right? Like they're by nature, they just kind of hold their things. Oh my gosh, they just love to give. And when you're around them, if you're honest, you like in your best days, you feel challenged and humbled. In your worst days, you just feel really guilty and condemned by their generosity, right? Because like they just are so free and they're so extravagant and they just love to be a blessing everywhere that they go. So when I was, I don't know how old I was, in 1999, so I was 26 years years old, I went to India, went to India and had a great time, and, and, and we were taking gifts over to a couple of the children, and so I'll never forget, uh, I had these gifts in my bag, and I brought them over to Tammy, who's our missionary in India that we're in great relationship with, she's been here before, and she had the, all these children, so one of her children's names was Ashwini, Ashwini, and Ashwini was about nine years old. And never forget, I, I had these gifts for her, and I was really excited about bringing these gifts, and they were from her sponsors, right? So her sponsors in America had gone out for Christmas, had bought these Christmas gifts for her, had wrapped them up very nicely, and, and then we came in, and, and we invited Ashwini in, and she didn't really even know us at all. She's kind of like, why are these two guys here? And she's like, no, no, they brought you Christmas gifts from your sponsor, and they wanted to be here just to watch you open. And she's like, okay, right? So we put them in front. Of her. She takes the first gift and she kind of looks at us and looks at it, opens it up, and she pulls out this beautiful dress. Like one of those, like me, you're like, my gosh, that is awesome, right? And she pulls up this dress, she's like, and she's like, oh my gosh, right? Because she had never she had never owned a dress like this in her life, right? And she opens, she's like, my gosh, this is so beautiful. She just sits there and holds it, doesn't even have to do with it, right? And Tammy's like, hey, why don't, there's other gifts. She's like, oh yeah, yeah. And she kind of puts that one down real nicely, kind of, you know. And then she opens up the other gift, and it's another dress. Like, she's never owned a dress in her life, let alone now owning two, right? Now she owns two dresses, and she's like, Oh my gosh, this is so great. And Tammy's like, what do you think? What do you think? She's like, this is amazing. She goes, I, I got a question. And Tammy's like, yeah, what is this? She's like, Sumi, who's another one of the girls, one of her good friends, Sumi's sponsor really never gets her anything. Do you think I could give her one of my dresses? And Tammy's like, absolutely. Which one do you want to give her? She says, I want to give her this dress. And she goes, well, why do you want to give her that dress? She goes, because it's my favorite, and I want her to have my favorite dress. And she goes, and I'm... Mm, didn't mean that, sorry. I'm sitting there and just dumbfounded, because I'll be honest with you, that never happened in my life, right? That never happened with gifts that I got. I never thought about trying to give them away to people, let alone give them my favorite, Right? And so she said, go get her. And we're just like, I'm sitting there and I'm feeling, I mean, I'm feeling like this girl just wrecked me by her selflessness. She just wrecked me by her humility. She just wrecked me by her generosity. She just wrecked me by her sacrifice. She owned two dresses now, and she wants to give her favorite one away because this little girl had never received a gift from her sponsor in that full year that she had been there, and she wanted to be the one to give it. And I'm like, God, you just wrecked me because it exposed my own heart. It exposed my own lack of generosity as a lifestyle. That it shocked me that she did that was telling. Generosity shocked me. 
because it was such not part of my everyday life as a 26-year-old. I never, my first thought was about, would be about receiving and like how I could put whatever it is that I, like if I got this really cool outfit, how I could wear it and look cool on my first day back to school after Christmas break. That's what I think about. And she's thinking about how can I give this to Sumi so that she can look amazing because I want her to look more beautiful than me by having my favorite dress. This is the story of the widow's gift, isn't it? This idea in the moment, because Jesus is with his disciples, and you know what? They're sitting there probably watching, you may not know this, but when the Pharisees would come and bring gifts, they would literally like have a little horn or a whistle or a trumpet of something, and they would blow it to let people, everyone know, oh, the Pharisees are coming to put in their very extravagant gift out of their wealth. And they would come and probably take bags of coins, and they'd probably put them really high, and they'd let them drop so that everyone could see, right, as a model for everyone, what generosity looks like. Hey, we're going to trumpet for everyone to see. This is what you should do. We want to model for you what generosity out of our wealth looks like. Every single one of us as Americans give out of our wealth, by the way, just so that you know, right? And so in this place, the, the disciples are watching like, man, that's a lot. I've never given that much in my life. And Jesus probably recognizes their heart and recognizes the moment and just says, guys, you know that woman who just gave two coins ultimately moved the heart of God more than the heart of God was moved by generous gifts out of their wealth. The idea, the moment, she wasn't, she wasn't giving anything more than the wealthy, but the, but the value in Jesus' eyes was greater because of the sacrifice generosity because of the sacrifice they gave it really cost them nothing she gave and it cost her everything and it's important again to note that jesus wasn't displeased at all with their gift over here the generous like the the wealth he wasn't displeased but there was something that that moved the heart of god that moved jesus's heart with this expression, this woman, right? A different message about her love, her faith, and her worship of the Father. That there was something about these pieces of her love and her faith and her worship of the Father that just moved the heart of Jesus. So what I want you to do say to this morning is that there's something really powerful of understanding generosity. Listen, about generosity in the context of sacrifice. Generosity, us being generous. Think of Ashwini. Something, this generosity in the context of sacrifice. If she had just received these gifts, it would have been a really cool moment. I would have thought that was so sweet. That was so sweet that she was so excited to receive those gifts. It moved me to tears of her generosity and the sacrifice. Both were great moments. I would feel comfortable and excited to tell both of those stories on a Sunday morning at Vintage. But man, can't, but you would agree, right, that the first story I told has a level of power to it, doesn't it? It speaks more in her sacrifice and her generosity. So for many who read this story, the, they view the main point of the story. You know, you've heard this preached about being about a person's heart. Hey, this is a story about our heart. It doesn't matter how much you give. It just matters that you're right. Your heart is right in the giving. And that's a really true statement about this story. It truly is about 
your heart. And that's a true statement, but that's not the primary point that Jesus is making. The primary point that Jesus is trying to get across to his disciples in this story about the widow is that it's a story of sacrifice. The story he's trying to get across is that this is a story of sacrifice. She doesn't have anything. She doesn't have anything. This gift reveals her faith. How does it reveal her faith? Because what do you think she's going to do to buy food this week? What do you think she's going to do to, to pay for her rent there in Jerusalem? What do you think she's going to do to get from, from, mon- from, from Monday to Monday? What is she going to do? She has to trust that God will provide for her. There's something powerful in this moment. Her gift revealed where she placed her faith, not in what she had. Her faith isn't in what she had, but instead her faith was in who had her. Who she belonged to. She didn't walk away in fear. She just trusted that in her generosity and sacrifice as an act of worship, and obedience, just loving on God in the context of her generosity and sacrifice, that he would see her action and that he would meet all of her needs. That's powerful. And the, like, let's just press pause. Like we were having coffee and having this conversation. Like we just stop and have a moment and go, man, Like, what do we do with that? Like, does that just make you really uncomfortable to think about, all right, what if I sold everything for on the behalf of Jesus to give it to those who are in need to fulfill his vision? Like, when you read that, you have to at least, before the Lord, begin to say, God, does what I have control me? Because it controlled the rich young ruler. Jesus, what must I do to inherit the kingdom? And Jesus says, have you kept all the commandments? Have you been a really good Christian your entire life? I've done everything. I've never done this. I've never done that. I've, been, I've done all the commands. And Jesus looked into his heart and says, go take all that you have, sell it, and give it to the poor. And all of a sudden, in the moment, he realized his heart was controlled by his finances because he couldn't do that because the kingdom of God was not worth more to him than what he had. Like, these are things that you have to let challenge you. Like, I'm not going to sit here and have the audacity to tell you, and you need to go sell all that you have. Like, that's not me to tell you, right? And the reality is, Jesus is, we don't see anywhere else in Scripture he said to anybody else. He just looked at this man's heart and revealed to him what controlled him. Jesus told other things to other people. But we have to at least begin to say, God, what is controlling me? And can I be truly generous with, an ex- with sacrifice? The idea next is this, sacrifice. How do you know that we have given sacrificially? It impacts our lifestyle. But that's on the screen. I want you to see that sacrifice. It impacts our lifestyle. Generously giving to the point of sacrifice, it impacts 
our lifestyle. In 2 Samuel 24, verse 24, David says, I will not sacrifice to the Lord my burnt offerings that cost me nothing. I will not sacrifice to the Lord, my God, burnt offerings that cost me nothing. It's really interesting in the moment to know the story because a plague had broken out in Israel. And David goes before the Lord and says, God, what must we do? What can we do to, to, to break free from the plague? And God comes to David and says, all right, I want you to go to the house of Aronah. And I want you to say to him, ask him if you can use his land to offer a sacrifice. And if you do that, then the plague will end. And you're like, fantastic, right? So David goes to the house and asks Aronah, hey, can we use your land? But something unique happens in the moment. Aronah offers both his land and he offers his own oxen. So Aronah comes and says, hey, yeah, yeah, you can have my land to sacrifice on. And listen, listen, king, I just love God myself and I love you and what you're doing. Take my oxen. Sacrifice my oxen. But David knew something really important, recognized something critical about sacrifice. Sacrifice is a necessary part of giving an offering. He says, no, no, no. I will not get a sacrifice to the Lord my burnt offerings that cost me nothing. Sacrifice affects lifestyle. It affects us. It requires something of us, right? Generosity requires sacrifice. We can give in ways that do not affect us at all. We can give in ways that don't impact our lifestyle, that don't affect our plans. We can continue to do what we want to do, when we want to do it, how we want to do it. It doesn't really impact us. We're just giving out of our generosity. But David recognized that's not okay. Sacrifice is a necessary part of giving an offering. Obviously, as we come in our generosity, it counts as giving, and it may even be considered generous. But it isn't sacrificial. Sacrifice can be measured, and I want you to hear this. These are really practical things. You ready? These are things you can all identify with. Pay attention, please, youth. Back row. Listen to me. People can give up cable as a sacrifice. Because, man, some of us, we just got to watch our television shows. And so, no, we say, I can sacrifice cable for the sake of the kingdom of God, right? For the sake of his vision, for the sake of his purposes, I mean, I can give up Starbucks lattes for three or four months, maybe a week. That's kind of pushing it, right? No, I can give those up. I mean, I can take those things and not worry about it because I don't need those, right? God, I don't want to sacrifice these things that I love and are important. Maybe you sacrifice a vacation in this season or you do a less vacation, ultimately for the purposes and the vision of what God has, right? These are things that impact us. We can set aside home improvements. You don't have to have the new kitchen. You don't. You're going to be fine for one more. You're the sink and the, you know, the formica is going to be fine for at least one more year, right? It's like it's going to be okay. I can go with that, that color red for one more year, right? Now, there's things that we can sacrifice. Things that we can sacrifice. We can sacrifice paying off school loans or maybe a certain level of comfort in retirement in order to help meet the needs of God's people or fulfill the vision of God. Where's the sacrifice? Where is it? That's the truth, isn't it? 
It's what we learn from the widow's gift. Like, I'll be honest with you. I hope someday when we get to heaven, God tells a story about me to people. Can I be honest in that? Not because I'm the pride of it, but there's nothing I enjoy more than my parents bragging on me. Do you remember that? Remember when your parents, I remember having moments with my being public with my dad. And he just started bragging on me. You know what it did to me? I was like, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, that was me. I'm that kid, hey, right? Like, I want to be that kid for, for God. I want to do this place of generosity and sacrifice that, man, there's a story told. I'm sitting here telling Ashwini's story. I want to tell those stories. I want those stories to be told about me. Listen, I want those stories to be told about Vintage 242 Church. I want them to be told. Generosity is measured by sacrifice. Generosity is measured by sacrifice. It's about her heart. But more than anything, the story is about her sacrifice because of her faith and her love and her worship. Hebrews thirteen sixteen says, And do not forget to do good and to share with others. It's real practical. Hey, guys, in the midst of your life, don't forget to be generous. Don't forget to do good and to share with others your time, your money, your energy, and your resources. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Like, that's, that's cool. Like, there's nothing wrong with wanting to please God's heart, is there? Like, all of you who have kids, like, you know you love your kids, right? You love your kids. You think that they're awesome. But let's be honest, like, there have been moments for both of my girls, for Sarah and for Anna Catherine, man, that a moment arises. Like, I can, like, Sarah, Sarah has these moments when She's like Randall. She has this includer. She's really aware of people who are on the outskirts. And I remember there have been moments when, when I'll be sitting there, I'll see her friend group, and I'll look over at Sarah, and Sarah's going over to talk to somebody, to include them, to, to bring them in, right? And you know what I do? Like, I love my daughter, but in that moment, I was pleased with her on a different level. I was like, oh my gosh, did you see that? I go home to her and I'm so thankful. Or leaders, there are her leaders that come to us say, you know, Sarah really is that. I mean, she's just a spiritual leader. He's like, he's dynamic. And I'm like, that's my kid. I've always loved her. I've always been proud of her. But I'm pleased. Anna Catherine never forgives. She was little. She had this whole wad of money one time. And she, she came to Randall and I and she plopped it down. And she said, and he put the world vision book. And said, I want to buy a goat or something. What can I buy with this? Right? And we're like, ah, like I was moved. I was already pleased with her, but my heart was moved in a deeper way. It pleased her father. And I was like, oh, right. And Catherine and Sarah, they please me all the time. But these moments of activity and of sacrifice and of generosity, they move me. I'm pleased with them on this deeper level. That's what this writer of Hebrews is saying. Don't forget to do good and to share with others because when we do it, the Father is so pleased. Do you know what happened when my children saw me pleased? It just made them be more pleased themselves. 
Because we love pleasing our parents and getting them excited and them celebrating us. Generosity is measured by sacrifice, and it pleases the heart of God. So let's talk the nature of sacrifice for us. The nature of sacrifice. Let's be honest, when we hear the word sacrifice, most of the time we think about something we have to do that we really don't want to do. It's Thursday afternoon. We're super excited about Friday coming to get us to the weekend because it's been a long week and we're going to relax. And then all of a sudden you get that phone call. Hey, man, we're, uh, we're moving this weekend. I mean, think you'd come over on Friday night and, you know, help us move. And then Saturday, you know, buy you some pizza. <laughs> right? And it's like, oh, I mean, I'll be completely honest with you. I almost didn't buy a truck because everybody calls the truck guy when they move, right? It's like one of those deals. And so in this moment, you're like, and you go, oh, oh, that's what you do, sacrifice. You're like, you're like thinking, please, Lord, let me have something I have to do. What's that? So I can't do it like that. Yeah, man, I'd love to come over and move and eat really bad pizza and, and make myself hurt all day on Saturday night and Sunday, right? It's like, I can't wait to sacrifice with my time and to help you. This is, uh, that's what you do. And so in the nature of your sacrifice, that's what it's like. We're like, oh, I don't want to do it. But I guess I have to do it. But in both these stories, Ashwini and Widow and the David, the nature of sacrifice is doing something excitedly with celebration for someone that they love. It's the expression of what giving and generosity is supposed to look like. Second Corinthians 9, verse 7. Each person should give what he or she has decided in his or her heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, not, oh, right? For God loves a cheerful giver. Our sacrifice is generosity. Our sacrifice as generosity is birth out of a heart that loves the one that we are giving to. It's an act of worship, a way of expressing joy and thankfulness for the one that we are sacrificing for. I'll never, rem- I'll never forget, right? When I was 29 years, I don't know what it was. And we've been, I met Randall, and we started falling in love, right? And I wanted to woo Randall. I wanted to win her over. And so I would sacrifice countless hours on the phone till like 2 o'clock in the morning saying, I love you more. No, I love you more. No, I love you more. Nuh-uh, right? Like, totally, man. It's like stripping my masculinity, and I loved it. Waking up at 5.30 in the morning to go to work, and I didn't care. I would sacrifice my time because I want, because I loved her, and I wanted her to know I loved her, that I wanted to marry her. I'll never forget going out on dates, and, man, like, taking, remember taking, like, your whole check to blow it on your special person? And did you care that you had nothing to, you're like, I can just eat ramen noodles all week long because I want her to know, man, that I want, I want her to know that I, I'm all into her and I want to marry her. Was it really, it was a sacrifice, wasn't it? Did it really feel like it was costing you anything? Absolutely not, because cheerfully with excitement, with anticipation of what could possibly be, was awakened in your heart. And God's saying, generosity is sacrifice. That is what we're talking about, a cheerfulness, an excitement, and a joy. Do you know what it defined Ashwini's heart? She took her dress, 
She put it over here, didn't even think about it again because she was so excited about sacrificing what she had to give to Sumi. And all she did is sat there and talked about how pretty Sumi was as Sumi sat there with tears in her eyes because she had never received a gift from America, from anybody. That was awesome. The widow. It's the heartbeat of the widow. Do you think she came with compulsion and weight? Listen. This is where this is the so this is where we shift like away from the prosperity gospel. The prosperity gospel wants to go and buy a blessing so they can get something from God, and the widow gave everything she had because that's all she wanted to do was just love on God without expectation of what she would have to get in return. She didn't give to get, she gave just because she loved him. It's about intent of the heart. Gave excitedly. The truth is, man, was it really sacrificed for any of those? No. It was just a celebration of joy and a cheerfulness of giving what had been given to them. The truth is this. The kind of giving that most excites our Heavenly Father. This is on the screen. The kind of giving that most excites our Heavenly Father is the kind that flows out of our desire to express love, worship, and devotion to God. It comes from our heart of worship that isn't under compulsion, but has a desire to please Him as a child wants to please their parents in a holy and a right way. The kind of giving that excites the Heavenly Father is the kind, I mean, that flows out of desire, cheerfulness, to love and to worship and express devotion to God. Therefore, this morning, we're going to dive into three things after this quickly, but this morning, we'll sum everything up we've talked about so far. Number one, you can take a picture of this. This is like the summation of what we talked about. True generosity, like the widow's gift, is expressed in sacrifice. True generosity, like the widow's gift, is expressed in sacrifice. Sacrifice impacts our daily lifestyle, and it costs us something. It costs us something. And true sacrifice is something that we do cheerfully, not reluctantly, because of the love we have for the person that we are sacrificing for. True sacrifice. Men, we're cheerful, not reluctant, because we so love the person that we're sacrificing for. So to become a person of generosity, the three things we're looking at in this study that we're doing, this genius generosity we're looking at in your small groups this week. Number one, generosity always begins with God. Generosity always begins with God. Like, that's where we look. He's our model. James 1.17, I'm not going to, and then Ephesians 3. James 1.17 tells us that every good thing, every perfect gift comes from God the Father. Every good thing. So if you deem something good in your life, if you deem something that's a perfect gift in your life, it's ultimately a gift from God. He gives it. He loves us, Right? Perfect gift. Every perfect gift comes from the Father. Everything good we have, even down to the breath we breathe, is a gift from Him because He loves us. We looked several months ago at Ephesians chapter 3, 14 and 19. In these verses, verses, Paul celebrates. He celebrates God's love for the Ephesians and then prays that their eyes, hearts, and mind would be opened to know how wide and long, and high, and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. 
Generosity begins with Jesus. He is the model. Have you ever heard of the cross of Jesus? Have you ever heard of the sacrifice that he made? Have you ever heard of the expression that this is how we know what love is? That Christ laid down his life for us as a sacrifice for his love for us. Since for the joy set before him, he did that. Cheerfulness. A joy, overwhelming, but joy set before him. It's the model. He poured out love. He wants us to, to experience it. I mean, I love these words, height, depth, width, and love. It's like God wants to throw us into this like big bathtub, and then he wants us to overwhelm us with love to the point. It's like over us and around us and under us and all these. It's like around us. It's like a really big bathtub to the point, man, like you can swim all in this Experience every part of you becoming wet in this great nature and fullness of God's love that he pours out upon us, lavishes upon us, saturated. When we become saturated with the love of God, man, it changes us. Here's a challenge for you. Take the next 30 days and only read Ephesians 3, 14 through 19. Make it the only thing you think about. Make it the only thing that you pray about. Pray this prayer. Pray it for me. Pray it for yourself. Pray it for your spouse. Pray it for your friends. Pray it for your children. Pray it for your parents. Pray it. Because when you pray it, and it becomes alive, something shifts, which is number two, then our generosity, because we've been so full, we've been so saturated, and you have to wring yourself out, right, so you can be filled again. Our generosity is the visible expression of our love for God. When we begin to grasp his love and generosity towards us, we begin to become generous ourselves. When we are saturated, we want to wring ourselves out to pour it out to other people. The nature of our lives is this. We primarily do what we are told, not what we are told, but we primarily do what is modeled for us. Our children do what they see us do. They express in lifestyle what we model for them. When we embrace and experience the generous love of Jesus, in turn then we will express a generous love, both to Jesus and then to our neighbors. Simply stated, to the degree into which we've experienced the generosity of Jesus, that's the degree to which we are expressed generosity to Jesus and to our neighbors. Here's the point. Even when we don't feel like it, isn't that the place of maturity? I'm still generous, and I express love, and sometimes it's hard. But we do it anyway. John 14, 15, and verse 21. If you love me, keep my commands. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. Our expression of how we love God is by keeping his commands. What are his commands? Really simple. Love God and love your neighbor. How do I know, right, that I'm in obedience to God, that I'm loving God and I'm loving my neighbor with everything that I have in me? Which leads to number three. Generous living begins with money and possessions, but it applies to every area of life. Generous living begins with money and possessions, but it applies to every area of life. I want you to think about it, right? Like God recognizes that money and possessions can get a hold of our heart and freeze us more quickly than anything else around us. It can control us. The fear of not having enough or wanting to hoard what we do have because we want to give it away, right? So we can use it for our own gain. And so he recognizes, man, 
So in, in, in Leviticus 27, Deuteronomy 12, God instituted what's known as the tithe for the Israelite people. And it's just real simple. Basically, it says, in the context of your life and all that you have, 10% automatically belongs to me. That's why they were bringing it into the treasury, right? Bringing it so you, you earn money, you automatically take 10% of that and you then give it back. That was never rescinded. Like, it was never taken back. And so the idea for us, and then even the New Testament, I mean, the tithe, or the, this tithe piece is still a present piece. But here's the thing that shifts in the New Testament. It's really fascinating, and it's really overwhelming. He says, all right, let me talk about the new tithe. Let me talk about the new offering. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer everything, your bodies, as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This actually is the way that you have true and proper worship. And so the New Testament is like, it's actually not just 10% that I'm asking you, but I'm asking for everything. In fact, as a believer in Christ, you have an obligation to present before me every day everything that you own, all of your time, all of your money, all of your energy, and all of your resources. And every day you say, all right, Jesus, here's everything. It's in my hands. What do you want to do with it today? Do you want me to give to those that are in need? Do you want me to give my time? Do you want me to give my lawnmower? Do you want me to give my truck to go over there and help somebody move? Like all these things, God, everything's in your hands, right? I'm going to listen and obey with everything that I have, and I'm going to be obedient to you. And Steve can't tell me what to do with all of this, because ultimately, it's between you and me, but everything belongs to you. It's a living sacrifice, God, before you on the altar. That's actually the New Testament understanding of tithes and offerings. It's everything. 10% is your starting point. It just is. Requires sacrifice. So in our lives, in the context of all that we're doing, man, Jesus looks at the widow, looks at Ashwini, he looks at David and said, man, generosity is defined, by, is defined for us by sacrifice. Sacrifice costs us something. But the cost is not too much because we're giving to the one that we love because we are so loved by him. And we give to those that are in need because that's just the beauty of it. We are generous and we are sacrificial, not hoarding things for ourselves and trusting that God's going to provide for all of our needs because that's what faith demands. Do you have faith in what you have or do you have faith in who you are? And that's the challenge. Do we live that out? And do we let God do whatever he wants to with what we have? But the beautiful piece is, man... It is most genius to live our lives generously and sacrificially before the Lord because it means no one and nothing but Jesus owns us. And I don't know about you, but I don't want any possession that I have to ever own me or own the decisions that I'm going to make. Let's pray. Jesus, conversations around money can be interesting at best. And God, then we go, oh my gosh, is God calling me? Ah. I just pray for a sense of peace right now and just a movement towards a heart saying, all right, God, you are very kind in the way that you deal with us. And you understand the situations that we find ourselves in. And I just pray today as we talk with this idea of generosity and sacrificing and affecting our lives, I pray that you would move us gently and kindly to this place, Lord, of being like Ashwini and 
being like the widow in this story. And I pray, Jesus, that we get to a place that nothing ever owns us except for you. And that we live at a place that everything that we have belongs to you, Jesus. And then I pray, this is the hardest part. I think our greatest fear, Jesus, is that we don't have ears to actually hear you call us to obedience. We're not sure we can hear you. And so I recognize, God, and pray today, would you open up our ears to be very confident in hearing your voice so we can follow and keep in step with your spirit and sacrifice where you're calling us to sacrifice. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So here's what we're going to do to end our service this morning. This is Commit Sunday, so we have these commitment cards just like this. Every single person who is part of Vintage who does not have one of these, and you're planning on giving this morning, I'd like for you to get one. So uh, let me get Robert, if you can just take some of these. Randall, if you can take some of these other cards right here, split them up. If you're on this side and don't have a commitment card this morning and need one, would you just raise your hand and we'll come by and grab you one. And obviously on this side too, we're really going to bring those to you. Again, we're looking at saying, we have a bullseye of a million dollars, but our goal is to have 100% participation from every single person who calls Vintage Home in this rooted initiative. And we're excited about that. Last night, we were, excuse me, excuse me, on Friday night, we had our advanced commitment night. And we had, I don't know, 80 people. All, all of you were invited to call Vintage Home. And we had 80 people who came. And it was a celebration. We had a celebration just telling some stories at a time of, of worship from our team. It was powerful. And we brought our cards. And it was an act of worship. And here's what I want you to hear me say. Like, there is no difference. Like, some of you come to Vintage because you love worship. But let me be honest with you. There is no difference in worship with hands raised in song than worship of loving God and bringing our finances to him. Because in both of them, we're bringing the best of ourselves and saying, God, what I have, I give back to you in worship. God, I thank you. I want to worship you. God, with my, with my money and my finances, resources, God, I want to worship you by giving them back to you. Say, God, your will be done in them. So this morning, as we take time and a moment to, to take these commitment cards and to take our tithes and our offerings and to bring them here for our daily stuff, right? It's, a, it's an act of worship. It should literally be no different than the energy and excitement that you hear and you experience it with your hands raised and song before him. Because he loves cheerful givers. Those who with great joy express faith and affection and love and worship through giving financially. It's a beautiful piece. And so this morning I want to challenge you, man, God, just move in my heart. In this commitment, what we're asking is very, very simple. Above your tithe and your offering, for the next two years, you're going to give above and beyond to the rooted initiative to, to see these vision pieces you saw in the video that we've talked about. And we're going to take all of those, and on April 1st, Easter morning, we're going to take all of those, and we're going to share the number with you and celebrate what God is doing. We've, Friday night was a great start, and we're excited about that. I'm excited this morning, first service, was a huge start, incredible steps and acts of faithfulness that brought me to tears, and, yeah. and so is this powerful, it brought me to give me tears, I didn't want to cry on you. And so it's powerful to see what God's doing. And so we want to worship. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you one minute. For those of you who came prepared with cards this morning, 
that minute be a time of prayer, talk to your spouse, talk to the Lord and say, all right, God, is this what you want me to give? Is this the sacrifice? Last night, we had some people, actually, you're going to hear the story in a second. They're sitting in service today. They came in, and I said to them, we said to the group, listen, just make sure God's not calling you to a higher place of sacrifice. Like, he was, and we did, all right? It was awesome. Maybe that's God this morning for you, or maybe that's no, God, this is, this is the number you've given me, and I'm going to celebrate that with you. Others of you that came in this morning, just before you write a number down, say, all right, God, sacrifice and generosity before you. Lord, what does that look like for me this morning? Maybe the exact number you prayed into and came expecting to give. Awesome. It may be different. Just be obedient. And then with great joy, you give. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to have fun this morning. Y'all excited? So we're going to do this, man. I was in Ghana many years ago, about 10 years ago. A little older, I don't know how old I was. About 10 years ago, we sent a church service. Great poverty to find this village we were in. We get to the offering piece. And all of a sudden, man, the drums started thumping. And all of a sudden, people started getting happy. And they stood up, man, and they started dancing. And I'm looking around going, this is not like the Baptist church I grew up in, right? Like you had that big heavy, the heavy thing, like the heavy whatever it's called, like offering plate. You're like, ah, right, passing along. Or if you're really cool and trendy back in the early 2000s, you had like a felt fast felt bag with some sticks on the end, right? Passing those down. And I felt really cool about those. I could lift those, right? And so you go down. Like, and so, but man, we're sitting here. And all of a sudden, man, start thumping. It's like time for the offering, right? And also they start standing up and dancing and worshiping. And all of a sudden, man, like they're grabbing us by the hands, right? It's like team from Georgia, right? They're picking this stuff and they're like taking us and like spinning us around in worship. I'm like, this ain't like home, but this is so much better, man, right? So much better. We come up and people are coming up and just giving this offering with cheerfulness. And they had very, very little, right? Coins and a couple dollar bills. And they're just taking them and putting them into the basket with great joy, exuberance and excitement to bring this worship before the Lord. I was like, oh, God, every moment should be like this. And so this morning, we're going to give in a Ghanaian style, all right? Brenda's right here, and she's going to, like, lead the procession. She's going to walk right through here, and everyone's going to get behind her like a, like a holy worship conga line. And you're going to follow her all the way around here and come, right? George and Jules, hey, you get to lead the charge this morning. Hey, right? You do the same thing. Come right down through here. Go back, and everyone's going to just kind of get behind. Slowly go to the big group and form a conga line. Come right here. If you have normal tithes and offerings, you're going to give them right here in the baskets. And then your commitment cards, you're going to give right here. And it's going to be awesome. If you gave last night, we're going to talk to you in a second. And it's going to be awesome. And we're thumping. And it's going to be worshipful. It's going to be exciting. So with that, let's take one minute. If you have your card, you need to fill it out. Go ahead and do that. If you have it ready, just take a moment and pray and make sure you're good to go with your spouse. One minute and then we'll come back.